Step into the confession. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Uh, I think something's wrong with our audio. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Welcome to the Clergy Confessions Podcast. We're committed to sharing truly awful experiences of ministers in complete anonymity. Without fear of reprisal, our guests can tell you their stories in full details. To protect the innocent, we've altered their voice and taken out context clues. So good luck trying to guess who these folks are. And if you're trying to, it might be time to change your priorities. And don't mistake these stories in an indictment of the church, as each episode is capped off with guidance on healthier approaches when facing moments of turmoil and conflict. In other words, we're not dumping on the church and we're not dumping on vocational ministry. Welcome to the confessional. Amen. Amen. Uh, hello, Foreman. Hello, Andy Hale. How the heck are you, man? Um, I'm great. Um, you know, the day in the life of a minister and the day in the life of a person who's friends with ministers can, can really bring some fascinating insight into um, humanity and the church and a lot of things that you really don't anticipate to hear from people. Um, and I think that's going to be one of our, our conversations today with our, our guests, who, of course, will re remain anonymous. Um, but we're going to hear some stories about how congregations can handle or mishandle uh, said maternity leave when a minister brings a child into this world. So from your experiences, do you think it's more often or have you seen more examples of mishandling rather than handling it well? Uh, considering most congregations don't have maternity policies, let alone paternity policies. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we're going to I think we're going to hear a story today that will kind of open your eyes to the reality and hopefully maybe will be a helpful uh, resource for churches to think differently about how they might approach these things. Well, before you bring our guest in, let me just say I'm appreciative of you mentioning much less paternity policies. Um, I, I was the parent on duty after our child was born. My wife was ready to get back to work after her maternity leave. And, and there was this gap, right? Because there was no policy for, uh, it was never, there was never even any thought given to what, a, what a, a, a dad on duty as, you know, as primary parent with responsibilities during that time. So uh, you bring up a great point and uh, I appreciate you saying that, but this story is not mine. This is, uh, this is our guest. So. Sorry, I just want to go back to you talking about dad duty. So you were on duty duty. Is that is that what you were? You know, you just we're can't going that low from... brow that <laughs> when you put when you put guys together, there's always a poop joke. <laughs> well, okay. frankly, so here's frankly, the... you, frankly, you don't even have to put guys together. If there's a guy in the room, there's a poop joke. It just may not be said out loud. You, you just need listeners. You need to know that we're always making the poop joke. Sometimes we just know not to say it. So, all right. So I'm going to bring our guests in, but then I'm going to bring it back full circle and talk about um, my air quote paternity leave when our youngest, our oldest was was brought into this world. So guest, uh, thank you for, for joining us today on the Clergy Confessions. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm over here in my head. My child's somewhat trying to potty train, so I've got some poop jokes, jokes running through my brain right now. Yes. Quite literally, uh, my child looking at the poop in the potty this week telling the poop she's going to get some candy so you know i don't know if it's just the dads but i mean i'm here for it you know as as you know parents you like obviously 
you know, like I've got my children are uh, got an almost 11 year old and almost eight year old. And like the, those days go by so fast and you love to remind them, hey, let me tell you about this time that you had such an explosive diarrhea diaper that it shot up the back end of your diaper all over your back into your onesie. And I had to clean it up and it was amazing. And I love you. Um, so when I get older, when I get older, you can clean up my diarrhea. So that's yeah. right. I'm, cu- I'm curious if you use the sprayer hose in the kitchen sink for that. No, if you do that, you get poop particles everywhere, like everywhere. <laughs> but you clearly have experience in that or you would not know that. No, you just take them outside and hose them off uh, <laughs> that cold groundwater. Okay. All right. So this, this, uh, this confessional is open uh, for you. Uh, please tell us a story. Yeah. So I got pregnant and um, I waited the whole, you know, there's the, the notion of waiting 12 weeks before you make an announcement, just in case you lose a child, you know, something happens. Um, which is another conversation for another day, but I waited the 12 weeks, um, before announcing to family and friends and to our church that we, my husband and I were pregnant, we're going to have a baby and it's our first child. And when I made that announcement, obviously my first thought is what's going to happen when this baby comes, you know, am I going to have time off from work? So I'm looking through, um, the manual from when I was hired to determine, am I going to have time? And, you know, I have 14 days of vacation. I've already used like half of that for that year. So then I need to save some vacation. I'm trying to figure out in my head what I'm going to do because there's no maternity policy written. Um, So I decided to contact the personnel committee and ask them if, if um, they would be willing to put something together, would I be able to, would they put something together? One was the question, but also if they wouldn't put something together, could they clarify for me exactly what my time away would need to be? Do I need to ask for FMLA? Do I need to take personal time? Do I need to start saving my sick leaves because I got one sick leave um, per month and that would roll over. So I really didn't get a clear answer in the email back other than we'll talk and we'll get back to you. Well, you know, the 12 week mark is three months in and you have nine months time span before the baby comes, obviously. So there's six months that they have to try to figure this out or to get back with me. Well, three months had gone by and I had no response. Uh, and so we had a new senior on staff and he was included in those emails and there was no conversation really between he and I about this either. Um, so one day I just decided, let me reach back out and see if this had been discussed or if there was something I could say to kind of get the conversation moving. So I did, um, I emailed the personnel chair, um, with the senior pastor on it and, the response was, again, you know, we'll get back to you right now. You just keep doing what you're doing. Um, kind of it. So I so, said, okay, so at this point, know, how, how many months pregnant are you at this point? So right now I'm probably around four. Well, that was three months pregnant. Three, four, five, six months pregnant at this time. So, so there's, there's no avoiding it. Like it's a, it's a thing. People are seeing but, it. It's. Yeah, you know. like this is coming. This is going to happen. Well, well, I can already say one, one, you know, one 
one thing I would change and maybe say in the future uh, when personnel committees are taking their time, not responding to you with a baby bump, you could just start putting signs on it on Sunday morning <laughs> and walking around and it, it would be a well-rounded sign. So you would probably need it, you know, on the left side, the right side and the middle just so they would, you know, and then because, you know, all churches have those creepy old guys that don't ask permission to touch your belly and what pregnant woman actually wants their belly to be touched by anyone. Um, yeah. Then you could almost have a, a Braille version of, of that sign on there so that when they creepily step in and touch you, uh, they can read it with their fingers, too. So yeah, I, told you I, I was going to stop doing I mean, that. I, I probably should have done something <laughs> like that. I certainly thought that my robe from the Christmas time, like practically not being zipped, would have surely given it away as a sign. You know, whatever, made it through with the robe zipping, but it was very difficult. So you you would think that they would know that this is real, this is happening, I'm not making this up. Uh, anyways, going back, they finally answered and clearly they knew it was more important. We're getting to that time frame where we do need to have an answer. So they they met on a Wednesday evening to discuss. And I was told by the senior pastor that they were going to be meeting. So I, I knew that this meeting was coming up. So I'm, I mean, I'm praying over this meeting. Like, Lord, I, I need you to give me some something, some answer. I need some clarity. Uh, well, that evening, after that meeting happens, the senior pastor calls me. Now, another thing, I mean, if you don't already know that you're in a personnel meeting, a personnel meeting is confidential. So even if you're a fellow staff member and it's about you, you don't call the fellow staff member to discuss said information with that staff member. But for whatever reason, he felt the need to give me a call to tell me kind of where that meeting was kind of going. So he calls me and he says, hey, I just want you to know that we discussed what was going to happen and or how, how your leave is going to go. And here's how the conversation in the room went. And then he proceeds to share with me what several individual uh, members of our congregation that are, make up the personnel committee, what they their thoughts were. And some of them who, for whatever reason, you know, didn't want me to be working there, whether it was, you know, whatever, I don't know. Um, some of the re reasons were, oh, she'll be fine with just two days. Um, <laughs> Please, hold on a second. Are these men or are these women? This is these, are these are people in the insurance industry. This is <laughs> no, like, literally it is. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you have a mom in there that's, I mean, she's got more than one kid you birth children yourself I'm like this doesn't make sense how is and and no one I'm assuming from the way that he's sharing this conversation is speaking out against that really so then it comes up and he says um yeah they just really feel like you can just take your vacation you know you'll be you'll be fine if you just you know save up your sick leave on top of your vacation that should be plenty and I'm sitting there doing the math and I'm like okay I've got 14 days of vacation. That's going to be my only vacation is to be a new mom for 14 days. And then I have to count my sick days, which I hadn't been there more than a year or right over a year. So I don't have many sick days. And then I'm going to get no vacation, no time off if I have to use all that. And I mean, I'm in my head really disappointed at this conversation. But then he finally says, 
but we did actually come to decide on something. It's not finalized. We're just thinking that it's going to be this, but we're thinking that you're going to get two weeks. And I said, so you're going to give me 10 days. You're going to give me 10 days for my body to heal after birthing a human being into this world. And my literal words that came out of my mouth was animals take longer to heal than that. <laughs> and I, I cannot make this up. And he says, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I'm really trying to advocate for you. And I'm like, no, you're not advocating yeah. for me. Or you would I would clearly be having more than 10 days. And what's the particular so, angle of telling you what each individual in that room said about you? You know, I just can we pause here to talk about the weird nature of the church as an employer and what other organization in which the people ministering to you are subjugated to being ruled and governed by you on on matters like this? Like what what other place does that exist? It it, uh, it it's we'll be waiting here a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's bizarre to me. Um, and, and also, it's just bizarre to me that you have personnel committee made up of people who don't really know anything about HR. They jump in, and especially if they're not trained, and they're just supposed to know what to do, which I think also is, and it's not an excuse, but it is probably a part of the reason why they waited so long to get back to me. They don't know what they're doing either. I think that's a significant issue. You, I mean, you're you're it's the blind leading the blind, right? Um, yeah. Well, I would dare say most ministers. Uh, we can we can talk an entire podcast series around the failings of the modern day seminary and what they're actually preparing people for. But um, I, I did you have an HR class in seminary? And if you all have one, where you sit down, you're like, hey, here here are the ways to. Uh, treat employees here the policies that should be put in place if churches don't have them you know like we were trained around like leading people but like nothing in church administration class let's not even get started on that that's like bylaws and constitutions and things of that nature but nothing relatively close to this so it either puts it on ministers to take the initiative themselves to actually get to know those things and to educate themselves or you have morons like this person who is just sounds like just shooting from the hip here on this situation yep. you know a circumstance like this comes to me first thing i'm going to do is like let me reach out to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about or let me do some research around what are the common maternity leaves within a congregation let alone just in general within any organization as a whole not not let's just shoot and grab for a number and, and see what what comes out so so they right now they're thinking 10 days um well, and let me back up for a second on to add a little side story to I think why it ended up being pushed for them to actually have a more in-depth conversation. So there was a staff meeting and I was not feeling well. I went into I came that morning not feeling good and I knew it had to deal with being pregnant. And but I was also in my mind trying to save up my sick leave. So I was terrified to take off uh, because I didn't know if I could take off, if I could even use my current sick leave because I was trying to save it in case I didn't get maternity leave. So I show up in the staff meeting 
we go around, we're doing normal conversation, routine stuff. And I, I, I feel this, like I'm going to, I'm going to pass out. I, I'm super weak. And sure enough, I start reaching for the floor and I'm, I mean, I'm laid out on the floor, passed out, I'm like passing out. I, I I'm so weak. Um, and my coworkers had to drive me home to get me into my bed. And later on, I had, I ended up in the emergency room that later on that evening because, because I was, my body was so dehydrated and I didn't know it, but I was too scared to even advocate for myself because I was trying so hard to just hold on for maternity leave. And it was from that, that I got the courage to resend an email to check on, check in, to have that for them to hopefully have another conversation. And then they had the conversation. Now I did come to find out later that those three months that they didn't respond, they were doing research and they were reaching out to other churches to try to see if other churches had maternity leave policies. Why it took three months? I don't know. Um, why it wasn't communicated? Do I wish that they would have communicated? Hey, we're not ignoring you. We're doing research. That would have been nice. It would have been nice yeah. to have been communicated to. Just say what's happening. Well, let's but say it's a reason, if it's a Baptist it's like, church, then most likely they had to form a committee that then formed an ad hoc committee to then prayerfully discern whether or not they should reach out to other churches. Uh, so that's why it took so long. You should just understand that if it was a Baptist church. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it, but it's also like, hey, we got to get three bids on maternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're going with the low with bid. The, least amount, the one with the least amount is what we're going to go with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, so, th so there was this falling out, which my coworkers, they checked in with me, you know, to make sure I was okay afterwards. The senior never called me no one from personnel reached out and they were aware of what happened because one of my other co-workers also sent an email to personnel to say this happened in staff meeting I know that she's waiting on maternity leave what is going on because it's getting to the point where her health is at risk so uh you know the, the hard thing for me is and I kept and this the next day after I had received that phone call of him telling me I was going to have 10 days. So now we're back at the 10 day mark. I called him that the following morning because I was up that entire night and I was upset. I was frustrated. I was angry. I called him and I said, I, this is unacceptable. I cannot accept this and I will not continue to work here if this is going to be what, what I'm getting. And he said, oh, I was actually going to call you. I, it's really been unsettling for me, too. I was thinking about this last night. And I wanted to say, no, you, no, you weren't. You were not thinking about this or you would have picked up the phone to call me first thing this morning. You have not called me. I am the one reaching out to call you. So he's not calling me. He's not contacting me. I'm contacting him to say this is unacceptable. And he says, let me go back and be your advocate. I'm sure we can get something else worked out. They do, they go back and they finally do work out that I, I was able to get six weeks of maternity leave. Somehow they found the, the highest bid, but it was like excruciating just to have to go through that process. Um, and, and, and churches really, you know, we, we advocate for family ministries, but then when it comes to the family of our ministers, they get put to the back burner. 
the church should be about family. And here you have a minister bringing up and growing a family, a life, and you don't take time to, to not only prioritize that, but to, to celebrate that, so to speak. And, and it just, it's, it's just eye-opening looking back at that to think, wow, this really wasn't a very family-oriented place. Or maybe it was, just it wasn't for this situation. You know, I don't know. So. It's, it starts at the top. It starts with a, a senior pastor who has some empathy. You know, empathy for the situation. Empathy brings us to a place in which we recognize, hey, this hasn't been my experience, but the experience of other people is valid and I should listen to them and I should ask for their needs. You know, con- it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And I've served some congregations who have taken care of their ministers. You know, I'm, University Baptist Church of Baton Rouge has been one of those churches that just takes care of their ministers. They listen, uh, they ask what's going on. Uh, they're more than willing to uh, approve new things if, if there's things they don't see that we need and we ask for those things. But so many congregations just like, it's that perspective of like, well, you've been called to this, so you should suffer just like Jesus. And you're like, yeah, that's not, the, it's not the same. We're like, <laughs> we're called advancing this. And, and nothing makes me more frustrating than when churches like model unhealthy practices. So I was a part of a church one time where most of the people who were running things like personnel were state employees. Well, that meant if the state wasn't giving cost of living increases that year, that church wasn't giving cost of living increases, even if the church was $500,000 over budget every single year. Just absurd, mm-hmm. stupid practices. And, and, and we wonder <clears throat> why ministers are, are leaving the church and not coming back. It's situations like this, where it's like the opportunity to just do the basic thing to care for people in a time of need, and especially in a time of celebration. That church could have rallied around you in that time, celebrated this moment. And I'm sure some people did, but behind closed doors, you had this kind of situation going on. Well, and there's also just, you know, when you're a lot of, a lot of individuals expect their experience to be your experience. And so, oh, well, if I birthed the child and I healed in one week, surely this other person will heal in one week. Or we could go and try to learn more statistics and facts about how long it takes for a female's body to actually heal. You know, and it's not just like that for maternity leave. It's for several things within a church. People want to put their own experience onto, for whatever reason, the ministers that are on staff and hired there as if their experience is the experience. And that's just not the case. Well, and another part of the problem this highlights is how we make up our committees. If, if you don't have people uh, on committees that are qualified, um, they're not going to make good decisions because, because they're not, they don't have the capacity to do it. It's not, that they're, it's not that they're necessarily always bad people. It's just that they're not informed people. You don't want me on a finance committee. You want me on an education committee. You want me on a curriculum writing committee. You, you don't want me dealing with building and grounds, right? I mean, that's not who I am. But if you put me on that committee, I'm going to make bad decisions because I'm, I'm ignorant in that, in that arena, right? Um, and so, you know, I don't know that this was necessarily a situation where you were, but I, I think in a lot of cases, it's one of those situations where it, your, your committee makeup is going to determine the, um, 
the, the strength or the wisdom of your decision, uh, you know, the decision making. So if you look around the room and say, you know, we really don't know crap about this topic, perhaps it's time for us to form one of those ad hoc committees that Andy made fun of earlier. Um, but to say, no, we, we need people to help us. That's what it comes down to. We're not, we don't have the expertise here. How do we find people who do? Because we need to, we need to make the decision that cares for our minister. So then the other question, I guess, I would that's coming to my mind is if you don't have members of your congregation who are gifted in HR or who have a passion for learning about HR, what do you do? do is it beneficial for a church to have an HR person on staff? How does that, how do you make, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a couple of, of ways to, to sort of play into that. One is there are churches that have really good policies. And so a, a being able to identify what those churches are, and that's something that probably ministers need to have at their fingertips as well as congregational leaders. So maybe in the show notes for this episode, we'll, we'll put some resources in there. Um, a second one is there are people who are starting to ask this question at a deeper level to say, how do, how do I, from my place of expertise, um, help churches and, and ministers and particularly navigate some of these HR processes uh, that, that, um, that we typically just don't, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily know how to bar, uh, uh, negotiate for ourselves. We don't know how to advocate for ourselves. A lot of those pieces are, are uncomfortable. And so, um, so what does it mean to have somebody who can help us figure that out? Yeah, I think that's good. So when you look at this situation, um, obviously we know how the church should handle things differently. Um, you know, how they could have done it. What do you think, you know, your takeaways are from, from this experience? Mine would be, you know, I'm sitting here saying that uh, a personnel committee should communicate with me, but I think it's also me communicating just as much. I shouldn't have allowed it to get to the three month period. I should have contacted prior to that. So I think it's also my takeaway is to be a staff member who is not afraid to advocate for myself, um, to be a staff member who who will communicate and, and express my needs. Um, because if you don't, who else is gonna, who else will do it for you? Clearly they won't. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. Um, I just, I think it continues to baffle me how sometimes congregations can, let me, let me correct that. How some members of congregations that get put on committees can be completely oblivious and cold and making decisions. Um, you know, having inviting you into the room should have been first step, not inviting some sort of senior pastor who is not carrying a child inside of them, you know, should, should have, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying never, I, you know, we never know. Have you ever seen that classic, uh, movie from the eighties twins? No. What was it? No, Junior, what was it? What was the one where Arnold Schwarzenegger gets pregnant? Oh, I'm just saying, you, I'm never not, say I'm not, never. I'm not participating in this. <laughs> never say never. I mean... But yes, never, never, ever will that person ever bring a child into this world. Um, and, and so it, 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 it never ceases to amaze me when moments like this come 
how some people can step into the moment and do the right thing. And some people choose the cold and heartless thing. Um, you know, it's like bereavement leave. I, I've had minister friends of mine who've had a family member die and they had to use vacation to leave, to go mourn the death of their mother or their father or their aunt or uncle. And, you know, all those who experience grief know, like, that's not just a, like a thing you can wrap up in a couple of days. And like, you most likely need that time when you're done, but having a child grow inside you and bringing that child into this world and then delivering that child again, I will never experience that, but I've witnessed it twice. And, um, I will never complain about pain ever again after witnessing the experience of childbirth and to think so insensitively that you could be back in 10 days um, is, is remarkable. I, I want to apologize on behalf of that personnel committee, even though I was not responsible, had no involvement in it whatsoever. I, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious. And more importantly, how's the baby? She is wonderful. She is just turned two and she is, uh, like a little mini me. She's got this great personality that I don't know if it's great all the time, but she's her own ind individual self. Um, she is, I like to describe her as being super compassionate, but also very skeptical. Uh, so she's got this sweet, kind heart, as I don't feel all children do, but she also is super skeptical of other people, especially if she doesn't know them, uh, which I love as a parent. Like, be skeptical towards a stranger, stranger danger. Uh, so yeah, she's great. She And she's super healthy, which is, you know, wonderful. So well, not to be prophetic, but I think that kid might have a future in human resources. Um, <laughs> she could. She'll, be, she'll use my story as, as part of her experience. Before I was bored. <laughs> well, um, guest, thank you for sharing this painful story and allowing us to, to look at it closely. Uh, hopefully the pain of reliving it um, is is leading to a more hopeful day than a difficult day ahead of you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my God, man. I don't know why I always feel dirty after these conversations. Like I, I just don't get some church people sometimes like for all the extraordinary people you have, you have those one or two that like, they just ruin it for everybody else. Yeah. And don't understand why. I just no, don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining like eight people sitting in a room just heartlessly talking about she's she's about to. Have, I mean, again, I watch my wife naturally birth two children in this world. No medicine whatsoever. Just pure like strength. Right. And I saw her recover from that experience and the toll it takes on the female body to go through that. And I just, I can't imagine a world in which eight people could sit in a room and include a senior pastor who I know has children and, and say, you will give you 10 extra days. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah, go so, ahead. I, I guess the thing for me is like, uh, hopefully for, 
for congregational leaders listening to this or clergy listening to this that might maybe they're recognizing, oh my gosh, our personnel manual is like way off whack and we've got some work to do. Um, yeah, do it. Do it before you get into a circumstance in which an individual's uh, health struggle and an individual's pain of going through birthing a child are, are brought to the forefront in which you, you feel like you have to make a decision um, on behalf of this person. And maybe you're not going to make the most informed decision. Get that work done now. Think about it now. Have those conversations now so you don't find yourself in this place. Yeah, so I made some, some, some thoughts, in the, and you have given a great jumping off point. Being proactive. Everything you just said, let me, let me just say it again so the people in the back of the room can hear it. Get, do the work now. Don't, don't wait. Do the good work. There are good policies out there. Call around, ask around. If you don't know where those policies can be found, call your state agencies. Call your, your state and regional offices, um, your denominational, your judicatory bodies. They will know who has good policies. Now, you, as much as I want you to be proactive in taking care of the minister, let's also explain what's in it for you as a congregation to do this well. If you're not doing it well, you are sending a message that you don't value children or women. Um, again, say it again real loud for the folks in the back of the room. You're saying you don't value children or women. So uh, there's a huge problem there. Uh, when, when we promote our congregational values and say in all of those about us statements on the web that we're a family-oriented church, but then we can't give our, uh, our staff the right policies to start their family lives out uh, in strong, positive ways. That's a problem. The last point I would make is that you, you, you potentially put the health of the minister at risk. You heard our guests talk about trying to save up those days and coming to work sick, uh, coming to work not feeling well when she should have been at home in bed. Those are important things. You don't want to put the health of the minister at risk. And here's the last thing that I would say, why it's important for you as a church, as far as related to what's in it for you, if you want the best ministers, if you want the best ministers who are going to be loyal to your congregation and stay in that spot, then treat them like you care. Treat them like they're the best ministers. Put policies in place that say, we value our ministers and the lives of our ministers. If your policies don't suggest that we're going to care for you as a minister, you as a congregation are going to be revol have a revolving door of ministers because they're going to wait and they're going to find the church that is going to care for them. Or they're just going to leave in general um, ministry and never look back and get higher wages and be taken care of by their employer at a completely non-religious based institution yeah when um, we talk about re when we talk about retail institutions or um or research labs that have a better personnel policy and better for caring for their staff than our churches do we have a problem the only thing i would change about that story let me correct that the only thing i wish had happened in that story was when our guest was talking about going into a staff meeting in which they were feeling ill is if at some point during that meeting, when the sickness rose to the point of not being able to control it anymore, that they just had turned and projectile vomited <laughs> for at least a minute onto that senior pastor, just full on 
steady stream <laughs> with occasional breaks of, you know, the gut trying to keep up for what it's forcing out of the body. That would have been amazing. That's disgusting, but would have been quite effective. <laughs> and then ended with some sort of like mic drop statement. I don't, I can't think of one right now. Do you got one? <laughs> I shouldn't have had the milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, or just or just a simple, very demure as as the minister wipes uh, the, the, the particles from their lower lips, just simply <laughs> look and say, sorry. <laughs> Take it up with personnel. <laughs> the ultimate one. <laughs> Enjoy writing that personnel report. OK, I'm sure somebody listening to this is going to send us some better lines. So <laughs> please do. We encourage it. Okay, so congregations, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to help you with situations like this to provide some guidance, some coaching. Uh, ministers who are listening to this, who maybe you're a staff minister and you don't feel like you can advocate for yourself, or maybe you're a senior pastor who has an overbearing congregation that doesn't allow you to voice things like this, reach out to us and we will do our best to, to help you in your, your time of need. All right, folks, that's it. Visit clergyconfessions.com. If you have a story to tell or if you need help with coaching through some particular challenges you're facing as a minister, or if you're a congregation that has some conflict that you need help navigating, visit clergyconfessions.com and submit a form to us today. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever Twitter's now called. Don't forget to like and rate and review this episode as well as the podcast. We'll see you next time in the confessional.